Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey, speaking of veterans and uh, showing young cats how to do things, let's bring in Seth Greenberg. Uh, talk about Purdue and Iowa. Uh, we'll give you 30 seconds off the top, uh, Seth, if you want to just uh, badger uh, Dane a little bit. Here comes the roast. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you, you're the one who just said, speaking of old guys, so I mean, like, you're going to pop those down. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if the badger, you know, Dane, I mean, goodness gracious. I, don't, I, get, I get 15 minutes on the NBA, and, uh, you know, and then I get, Called an old guy. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm older Jimmy, than all Jimmy, of you, so. Jimmy, Jimmy, thanks for calling and getting me on the show. I mean, I, I, I know Doc never treated me this way. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, uh, you know, you've been around long enough, you get all kind of treatment. And so, uh, believe me, I'm, I'm probably older than. It was it a, a great stat I heard that LeBron has scored as many points as Larry Bird and um, uh, Stefan. Uh, not Steph Curry. Steph Curry combined. Holy Lord, you couldn't even remember. Can you believe his name. that? Steph Curry and uh, Larry Bird combined haven't scored as many points as LeBron. I got them for you, Coach. I just, I just right. threw a bar at Coach. Loudest Arena. Assembly. Assembly. Uh, Mackie Cameron or Cameron. Assembly the other day. Now, Cameron. It's funny because it's just packed in, and you know, you know how it is. It's a smaller venue, but it can get really loud. Yeah, I'd say, probably say assembly. Especially wow. if you, you know, you're in a visiting team and they put your bench next to the band. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of fun, by the way. <laughs> I can just tell you. I'm, I'm not speaking from experience. That band is banging away and, you know, you can't, your team can't even. Yeah, I can imagine your right hear. ear is still ringing. You know, but, uh, yeah, so look, look, there's so many great arenas. I yeah. mean, let's face it. I mean, there's so many great venues. You know, everyone wants to be the best. Who's the best fan base? Who's the loudest place? You know, when a team's playing really well and playing a rivalry game and they got it going, that place is usually pretty loud. No doubt. No doubt. Loud for a rivalry game is one thing, but loud when you've got just another team in town. Of course, in the Big Ten, you know, it's a conference game. It's always big, but I think it's one of the things about, and Assembly Hall and Mackey both, I think the fan base, it doesn't have to be a rivalry game to make it an intimidating environment. I'm looking forward to Mackey tonight. I I coached in Mackey a long, long time ago. It wasn't a really fun experience. I've tried to erase it from my memory bank, but Mackey, just the whole atmosphere, the energy, the ownership, the you know, just the history in that building is yeah. as good as any. And uh, right now, the way they're playing, uh, you know, how unique their team is. Uh, they have the most unique player in college basketball, but it's the players around them. I just love when I watch Purdue play is they recruit to Purdue. They recruit to players that are going to fit around and fit their system, fit their identity, fit their culture, buy in, are willing to wait, continue to work, uh, you know, they, they crew more four-year, three- and four-year guys, and they really get immersed in, in what Purdue basketball is all about, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Coach, people talk – they make a big deal about Matt Painter, Coach Painter's tournament record, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they understand how hard it is to, to win in the oh, NCAA man. tournament. Oh, it's hard. I mean, it's really, really – Matt Painter is – I mean, look, he's got, he's got six sweet 16s and elite yeah. eight. Right. Uh, if you look at the champ, you know, three Big Ten championships, one conference championship. You look at the continuity of their program. Uh, 
And they've only had one five-star recruit in 18 years. Jeez. So, like, I think about that. You know, like, Swanigan. Uh, Matt, Swanigan, right? Yeah, Swanigan, yep. So, if you think about it, I mean, what Matt Painter's been able to do to hmm. consistency in when they play, how they play, how unselfish they are, their buy-in, uh, you know, Think about the agility they've had. I mean, they played one way, obviously, with Casey Edwards. Right. They played another way with, obviously, the bigs that they've played with. They played a little bit differently with Jay, Jay Ivey. Ivey yep. uh, so, I mean, his agility and his ability to fit his system right. to his personnel, to me, is the thing that makes him so, so unique. Dane and I were talking earlier about the fact that, uh, you know, what? when was the last time you saw a number one team in the country rolling with two freshmen in the backcourt? I mean, what he man, they do not. And and, which is a testament, obviously, to their own ability. But I think the way in which they're coached and what Matt and the the staff have done with those players, kind of to your point about what is around Zach Eady. Well, it's also about their ability to evaluate to me, like recruiting. Everyone talks about recruiting. It's not. What, you know, once a guy steps on campus, I don't care. Hold on a second. I'm ordering a Jersey Mike's right now, so you're going to have to give me a, a quick little break. <laughs> you know, we only have a certain amount of time before shooting around. Yep. Yeah, well, what's, what are you getting there, Coach? What are you getting? We're at? about to hear it. Yeah. Dive in. <laughs> I, th- I think a big part, when, when especially what he talks about, he's going to say that if you, you can t- – what, what you recruit isn't necessarily what you're going to get. When, when a player gets on campus. All that stuff gets thrown out because you never, ever know what's going to happen until the lights in Mackey turn on or the lights at Assembly Hall or the lights at Cameron. And then it's a whole nother ball game when you're on the road. You know, and you could look at the freshman numbers now. Yeah. You could probably take a look. that freshman numbers generally are much better at home. And most teams, by and large, play better at home. But players just play. And... I think it's going to be interesting down the stretch how these pres- freshmen perform because you can see it with the Pacers right now. I I'm, I I don't like I said I don't want to be speculative on you know why they're why Halliburton's not playing or Matherin's not playing as much, but I think it's probably has something to do with the the mental wear down if not the physical wear down and just giving him a little break and letting some other guys get some time. And the the freshmen that you and we talked a little bit with painter about this and we had him on a week or so ago about the wall the freshman wall you know it's kind of like the rookie wall in the nba i mean is it a real thing how do you prepare to how do you prepare to avoid it i mean from a coaching standpoint and and seth you've been there done that as well with dane how do you prepare a freshman to be able to transition through the season so that the quote-unquote freshman wall uh, doesn't detract, you know, isn't quite as impactful from a negative standpoint as it could be? Well, I mean, it's real simple. I mean, you you, you, you know, load management, no. Like, here's the That's all part of the process. Part of the process is that, you know, uh, it's different. You're not playing in uh, EYBL. You're not playing... Right. You know, in the back gym, and you know, in, you at UNLV or in Orlando, what you, you got to do is you got to just uh, hold, hold, hold on a second, here, guys. I'm <laughs> this reminds me of Coach Knight. I can't, I can't get a number six. It's unbelievable. Hold I can't on. get a number six. Oh gosh, it's, it's well, Coach, well, it, what is the number six, Jimmy? Yeah, Jimmy, knows. Jimmy got that. Uh, the go, I'm, I'm a cheesesteak guy. I don't, Seth, I don't know what, Seth, what is a number six at Jersey Mike's? It's a roast beef from Provolone. Uh, oh. I'm waiting for a big. Get to it. I, you know, the tomatoes and the lettuce with that little dressing at Jersey Mike's very, very good. 
Coach, but tell I him you know Jimmy. Tell him, order the Jimmy. Tell him you know Jimmy. Yeah, that's true. No, Jimmy Cook is a very famous guy. I got the Jimmy Cook. <laughs> Are you no back? But no, no, yeah. But here's the deal about the fresh, the freshman is is that look, it's part of the process. You're going to go through. But are they going to be ready in the NCAA tournament? Those guys don't play like freshmen. I don't care what happens. I thought the great thing was after that game. I disagree with my man Dan Dockage, who's my guy. But I thought Zachy. I thought first of all, Great Smith owned it, and then Zach Eady basically put an exclamation on it that you know we're in this thing together. And, then, you know, we always talk about kids more caring about themselves than others. Well, there was yeah. a perfect example of a team that had each other's back. Yeah, it's and being a great teammate. Want? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? So, I mean, like, I love my man Dockage, but one of the few times I disagree with him in that, you know what, those kids right there, you could see that they care about each other and had each other's backs. And you're only as good as the guy sitting next to you in a game. And you got to stand up for each other, good, bad, or indifferent. How do you see the uh, Purdue-Iowa game tonight that you've got? Well, I was really struggling on the road, let's face it. I mean, you know, you look at the numbers, it's significant. You know, they're gonna, I think they'll extend their defense to try to limit their exposure in the half court by extending their defense. Uh, I think they'll try to, you know, get Zach Eady one step off the lane so the doubles are a little shorter. I think that's going to be something to watch. I think they're going to move around Zach Eady because Iowa's one of the few teams that actually runs real motion. Yeah. Uh, and I think they have the ability to move him around, move Chris Murray around. Uh, I think that'll be really interesting. But you know, pressure on the ball when you play when you play Purdue, you got to have pressure on the ball because if you don't have pressure on the ball, then it's just too easy to post. Then you got to guard your post action because he's really become a good passer out of doubles. So I think it's gonna be a fun game. I'm excited to be part of it. Yeah, I think it will be fun, Coach. We were talking earlier about. There's a there's a post rivalry hangover. Um, yeah, you got to validate. You got to yeah. validate wins. So you got to bounce back from losses. Yeah. And and if you're Matt Painter, what do you say other than hey guys, you know, tough one? If you're Matt Painter, what do you say after the after a, a loss like that to get your team back ready? Because Iowa, you know, you can get the Iowa who was down twenty to IU at Iowa uh, at at halftime, or you can get the Iowa that right after that, goes and beats the brakes off Rutgers at Rutgers. Yeah, I was a good team. They could score it. I mean, they got a bunch of floor gamers, they got a bunch of shot makers. They played well offensively. I mean, my paint was real simple. We played in the Big Ten. We played on the road. You know, we didn't play very well at the start of the game. We bounced back. We, we, yeah. we made a change. Obviously, we put Cal first on Trace Jackson and, and zoned up, uh, you know, Zach Eady, which I thought had a good impact on the game. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, look, it is what it is. Get to the next play. I mean, it's, it's real simple. The season's long. No one said we're going to be undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, give give, give uh, Indiana some credit. Let's go. Let's have a good practice. He, he gave him a couple days off, which is good. And now it's time to move on. Coach, I thought back to that IU game, and I know we're bouncing around. Um, I, I made a big deal about the Ethan Morton-Jalen Hood-Shafino matchup before the game. And I thought it rang true in the first half that when when Ethan Morton got two fouls and seemed like three minutes, that was a huge part of the game because Ethan, Ethan Morton, for all intents and purposes, really defend. I, yeah, and I think he's just their energy. He's their heart and soul. I mean, you can just see it all over his face, and he just flat out competes, and I think he was a big part. Losing him in the first half, I think, maybe not in numbers and in stats, but it was a big part of that first half mess that, that Purdue was in. Yeah, and I, I Purdue didn't wasn't defensively. I thought that you know what's called ability 
Trey Shack's ability to yeah. change ends on the floor and beat Zach Eady down the floor, his ability yeah. to drive it from the high post, his ability to use his quickness was good. Yeah. Moving first on him alleviated some of that. And, and you know, Zach Eady then could zone up on the backside, which I thought was really, really important, did a really good job and had a good impact on the game. Yeah. You've seen you, you've been watching basketball all your life, coaching it, etc. I mean, you've seen great players put in perspective what kind of player Zach Eady is as a college player. Uh, Zach Eady is the most unique player in college basketball. It's plain and simple, and you've seen him improve his, play, his ability to play out of doubles. Uh, you see his ability to uh, change ends, his ability to go over each shoulder, which has been phenomenal. Um. You know, I, I I absolutely love watching him play. And then, you know, the type of teammate he is. I mean, you know, he doesn't look at himself any differently than the rest of those dudes. So, Zach Eady is the most – in this year of college basketball, of all the bigs that came back, you know, he's the one who said, well, he can't play that many minutes or he's played that many minutes. He's the one who's had the greatest impact on college basketball. Not Oscar Sheway, not Armando Baycott. Yeah, not not Hunter Dickinson. It's been Zach Eady, and not the number six at Jersey Mike's. Number six at Jersey Mike's is being made right now, and I'll tell you, my man is killing it right now. <laughs> Edie's the national player of the year, right? I mean, yeah, not even close. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree, Coach. Uh, sh- uh, shifting gears, talk about some more some other teams that that produce you at number one. Yes, but. What what are some other who are some other teams some other programs that you see that are that are vying for a spot you know if not number one um, potential national championship caliber teams? Yeah, I think I think Houston's a team that because of what they do defensively, I think that uh, UCLA we're not talking enough about Arizona we're probably not talking enough about uh, you know in the uh, SEC Tem- Tennessee had just a brutal loss yesterday, but yeah. I think there'll be a factor. Uh, you know, who knows who's coming out of the ACC. Yeah. Uh, the Big 12, don't discard Kansas. I mean, it's uh, Kansas is going to still be a factor. And, and just that league in general. I mean, you've, yeah. got, you've got eight teams that are, you know, can play, against, can play against anyone and beat anyone, but also can lose to anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean but TCU, Big 12, the, defense, yeah. the defense that's played in the Big 12 is – Absolutely incredible. I mean, it, I, every single night, it, it is hard to score. Uh, they keep you on one side of the court. Uh, they're really physical. They trap the block. Uh, they create turnovers. Uh, the important question is, in, in that league, they do at times struggle scoring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do, but I, I, you don't know if it's because who they're playing against. Or the defense. Uh, yeah. Or, the, or, or, yeah. Exactly, the defense. I think the Big East, the Big East is going to be interesting because they have some teams that are playing really well. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the one team that I think is might maybe the most dangerous, although they did play well against Oklahoma, is Alabama. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Alabama. Coach Oates has himself a squad. I was down there watching them uh, in January, Coach. Woo. They got a squad. Brandon Miller is just an absolute monster. So I, I think Alabama is – Really, really good. Yeah, I think they can. They can. They look like they can go twelve deep, although they need to go a few less. That, but they look like they can. They just keep. Well, they can go twelve deep. They have. They're athletic, and Brandon Miller is just unbelievable. He is. He's he terrific. Uh, Jaden Bradley got three freshmen: Noah Clowney, Jaden Bradley, and uh, 
and Brandon Miller is as good as freshman in the country. Yeah, and what I found interesting is that it looks to me like Noah Clowney is probably one of the probably their leader. As odd as that sounds, a freshman coming in is yeah, is I, I, I leader. Think, I actually think it's Jada Bradley, but uh-huh. uh, all those guys—they're they're all good players. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Brandon Miller's phenomenal, just phenomenal. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be interesting to to watch. I've got a guys go in and watch Purdue practice right now, though. Hey, who is your number six this year? Your your number Jersey Mike's number six player of the year. This is a great time. My my, my jersey is Zach Eady. He didn't even close. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Back well. Conversation. <laughs> All right, Coach. Hey. That's- Coach Fife, behave yourself. I, uh, you know I will. You know I will. That takes all the fun out of it, though. <laughs> Take care of that. Take care of that beautiful family of yours. I sure will. Thanks, Coach. All right, pal. Thanks, all Seth. Right, That's Seth Greenberg. He's uh, on the call tonight for Purdue and Iowa. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in Hope today as if the super bowl doesn't make the phoenix area crazy enough the pga tour is there this weekend and we bring on will haskett and uh will is it still the waste management open do they still or yes the way it's the wm phoenix open uh waste management rebranded to wm in the last couple of years because they do more than just manage waste so they wanted to dis- differentiate themselves. So, <laughs> so when we do our show to together, married to a marketing professional, I just want to I want to put that out there. Uh, WM is where we go with it, and I will not be answering any more questions unless it comes with three future second round draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could. Uh, that's kind of our gig here, waste management, isn't it? Yeah. I think we me. could. That could be you and I. It's <laughs> a new branded show. <laughs> We're title. rebranding, Vince. Yeah, you Jimmy, you okay with that? Management. We'll leave WM to the tournament. There you go. Let's do that. Well. You, I know you were at the PGA, uh, the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach last week, and I want to talk to you about some bad, some bad celebrity amateur golfers in a minute. But um, sure. this this tournament in Phoenix, it became famous when the craziness on this par three, what that's the 16th, right? Yes. What is it like? And how did it come to pass that, you know, golf is this game where nobody's supposed to make any noise. And now all of a sudden at this tournament in Phoenix, people are shouting and taunting and throwing beers when it's a good shot. I mean, it's it's like crazy on the 16th green. What was the change? Yeah, I I think it really comes back to marketing. I mean, every single tournament's looking for an edge. You know, some of them, maybe it's local tie-in and charitable dollars, which isn't the sexiest thing in the world, but in some of the communities where the PGA Tour goes, it really works. Like, I'm a huge fan of the John Deere Classic. You know, not the greatest field, but it's the single biggest fundraiser for the entire Quad Cities community up there. And I love it to death because those people show out every year because it means so much to the 2,500 charities that are doing things. 
On the other end of the spectrum, and don't get me wrong, the Thunderbirds out there who run this tournament are making millions and millions of dollars for charity as well at $10.50 a beer times $6 million or however many beers they're going to go through over the course of this week. But I think they, they saw an opportunity with a really good golf course that lent itself to some good drama, a really, really strong golf area in Scottsdale. I mean, it is a golf capital of the world in terms of especially this time of year with snowbirds and everybody down there. And they sort of had this place of, and it's not the only tournament to do this. There are a few others I could cite that says, well, we can turn this into a party that also has a golf tournament going on at the same time. And again, with all of these tournaments being sort of independently run, like the PGA tour, you know, is definitely has a hand in some of the things, but almost every PGA tour tournament is run independently by an organization. Um, in that local community and they're trying to maximize whatever they can do to get people in seats and sell tickets. And they've sort of taken this on. And again, if it was copied in 20 different places, I think the players would be like, all right, this is enough. But one time a year, it's really cool. And then this year it's now a designated event. So we were guaranteed to have all of the top players on tour show up with absolute madness. Oh, and by the way, the Super Bowl's in town. And how do they get the players to buy into that? Because the players, you know, it's so much about, you know, they don't even like a camera clicking in while they're, you know, swinging their club. How do they get into, uh, get the players to buy into this incredibly obnoxious atmosphere at 16 at this tournament? Yeah, that's a great question. I, mean, I think there are a lot of guys that are probably there this year because now with, you know, with the PGA Tour battling against Liv and setting up this new sort of designated event schedule where we're guaranteed to see the top players play 15-plus times a year together, there are definitely some guys that are there who otherwise would probably keep the tournament off of their schedule just for the reasons that you mentioned. Like, they don't want the distraction. They don't want to deal with the crowds and the noise and the unpredictability that comes with that or getting hit in the head with a beer bottle. Although no more aluminum bottles this year, we've gone back to cups. So we won't have to worry about aluminum raining down on 16, which is nice. Um, But I think a lot of the other guys embrace it. I I think, you know, I would say a majority of golfers on the PGA tour are successful because they can eliminate a lot of the noise. Are they robotic? Yes. But there are some really good characters on the PGA tour as well. And so I think it really just kind of depends on, each individual mindset and now with everybody being there this year i mean there are so many sports psychologists that are employed now at the highest levels of the pga tour there's probably conversations going on about how you can block out the noise or embrace the moment and try and channel that adrenaline into your best golf shot so uh, it's it's not perfect um for some but they learn how to deal at least for this one year but if it was 15 times a year that they had to do this i think a lot of players would say this is enough i've had enough of this Will Dane Fife, how are you, man? Appreciate you talking with yeah. us. Uh, I guess I didn't give you a chance to answer. Go ahead and answer. How are you again? Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. I, oh, I actually have this good. week off, so three straight weeks on tour, and then I'm back at it next week. So son of a gun. I, I, en- I enjoy the fact that I don't have to work in this environment. It's a very hard place to go to work. <laughs> Got to be intense. <laughs> how, how do, uh, ex- explain to us just the concept in general of golf on the radio. Uh, it's if you love golf, it's great. We try and be very descriptive on PGA Tour Radio. If you have someone in your family that doesn't um, sleep very well and they don't like golf, then you can turn us on as well, and we typically can help. <laughs> I'd you agree that. with that. So sleep aid. It's either, I would agree with that. Yeah, either way you want to do it. Um, but I, I think we have a great product on PGA Tour Radio. It's, yeah. um, it's 
it's like any other sport on the radio. You're just trying to paint as elaborate of a picture as possible. We call a lot of golf shots. We hop around a lot in our coverage every week, and we try and have as much fun and be as informative as possible. But I can also understand why some people would be like, whoa, really? Golf on the radio? It's yeah. You know, it's it's golf. You gotta like golf. Yeah, and Will, what's your favorite part about this? Let's just fast forward to a hundred years from now, and you know, you're you're lying on your um, your golden perch there. What 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 is your favorite part about this whole thing? For I'm a big I'm I'm a Jersey chaser, self proclaimed. I love Jersey chasing. Um, I was excited coming back to Indiana. I got to meet some of these former greats, and it's awesome. And I you know I. I've never got a chance to meet Spieth, but I know his caddy, Greller. Um, yeah. Lance Bennett, who worked with Kucher, he's a big Spartan. Greller's a big Wolverine, so we got a little rivalry going there. But um, now that that's set aside, what, what is probably something that you – what is the thing that you enjoy most about your job besides the fact that maybe you love golf? You know, what, I'm looking more from, like, the player or caddy, you know, that kind of thing. yeah. I mean, I like the journeyman story. There are so many guys out there that are just like us. You know, guys that are, when they're not playing, are shuttling kids to school or, you know, FaceTiming at home to see their kids' basketball game or hockey game or whatever it is that they might be playing when they're not on the course. So, especially now where I feel like the game has risen to such high levels, the Tiger sort of boom has produced, I think, this upper-level crust of players. The elite players are so stinking good that the guys who are, say, 50th to 125th on the PGA Tour every year are, are kind of anonymous. They can walk into any grocery store and not be sort of recognized. And I, I like that. And I also like, and this is not the only sport that I call or have called in my career, I just I love seeing the closest that we can get to perfection. So anytime you're in that round where a guy is just completely on a heater, like you're watching a guy who's made – eight consecutive threes and you're just waiting for the heat check to continue when you feel like you're, you're part of something special. And Vince, you know this, I mean, we broadcast a lot of bad games and a lot of bad rounds and a lot of bad races in our life that are just like, Holy cow, I get paid for this. This is great. I'm living my dream. And then there are other ones where it's like, Oh my gosh, like that was special. Mm. And I think any of us that are in play by play, are always just chasing that special sort of high when you leave and the adrenaline of what you just witnessed from human performance and achievement was something you didn't expect when you woke up in the day and you're inspired by that moving forward. So I guess it's a grandiose answer for you there, but that's, it that's was, what we're always after in this you, business. You got two guys in three guys in here on a heater right now. <laughs> we are we are at our best. We've reached the pinnacle and we are on a heater. And, and who is that guy right now, Will? It's Rom and Rory. They're head and shoulders above the rest. I think if if the golf guys give us what we're supposed to have, it'd be the two of them down the stretch with you know a gallery that is absolutely lubricated beyond their minds, and it's just a back and forth. You know, Rom went to Arizona State. You know, he's been very outspoken about not understanding why he's not number one in the world because he's been. I think he's lost in total to like 15 guys in his last seven starts, including four wins around the world. And then Rory won his last time out in Dubai when he you know made a 15 footer to avoid a playoff with Patrick Reed, just wow. sort of in in the midst of the drama that was going on with you know Reed flipping a tee at him on the range and this whole live sort of saga and Rory kind of being the face of the PGA tour and this righteous sort of movement forward in golf and they're best, definitely the best too. And we haven't seen them together since they kind of went head to head in a tournament in South Carolina last fall when Rory got the best of, of Rom in that one. So 
Um, we're hoping that we see you know them one and two on a leaderboard early in this season, but no one can sustain like Tiger would sustain in his career. So we have to take these guys in their six-month, eight-month, maybe year-long windows heater. of excellence. Yeah. And yeah, they're heater, and <laughs> and we don't get we don't get fifteen-year heaters like we had from Tiger Woods. <laughs> like he spoiled us in terms of how we approach and watch superstardom in golf. Yeah. What kind of guy? is rom and then and i would ask the same about rory i mean we know what kind of golfer they are i mean phenomenal but what tell me about what kind of guy they are yeah must watch press conferences i put them probably on my mount rushmore of pressers that you have to watch from both of them i think they provide incredible perspective rom's got two young kids his wife kelly and he had had two children in the last two and a half three years so then he's added perspective as a father same thing with rory with little poppy his daughter um, so I like the fa- I I love how I've seen their careers grow from total alpha competitive spirit guys to then understanding the bigger picture and I think Rom's a little bit misunderstood you know we see angry outbursts from him I like that I think he channels it well into his play but both of them are I mean just the easiest guys to get along with wow. you know like walk into a room and they're not going to be the life of the party. But they're they're both uh, magnetic. I think they have an energy about them that just sort of attracts. Like you want to have a conversation, you want to learn from them, you want to you want to do something with them because you just feel like they have this great perspective. And both of them have sort of developed that through being in a spotlight from a very very young age. I mean, John Rahm finished fifth in this tournament when he was still a a, um, a student at Arizona State and was like the highest finish by an AM in 15 years or something on the PGA Tour. We did it like six, seven years ago, and Rory was chipping balls into a washing machine when he was five on TV. So it's not as if these guys haven't been in our consciousness from the very beginning, but the fact that they've both arrived at a place where they have this just incredible perspective and maturity about them and are also complete world beaters. Ron wants to rip your throat out more than Rory does in the golf course, but Rory has, Rory has found a different gear the last year and a half. He's found a way to manage being a terror on the golf course and being a really, really good human off of the golf course, which is very difficult to do. It's hard to want to slit somebody's throat on the court or on the course and then get off of it and be the nicest human being. It's just really difficult to do that. We saw Tiger struggle with those demons his entire sort of life, and he's certainly softened late in his career. And I think Rory's finally found his little sweet spot. So this might be the last stretch we get out of him because he's he's getting quote-unquote older um, his words, but uh, that perspective balance makes them two very intriguing people to me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. We're visiting with Will Haskett from the PGA Tour Radio. Will, give us your local background because some that are listening may not be familiar with with you and your 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 roots here in the city. Have you, have you already told them I was your intern twenty years ago? Has that, <laughs> Left that, that out? out? Left it all is out? Our, is our office still around the corner there, Vince? So it's, <laughs> um, yeah, born and raised here in Indy. Um, went to North Central. 
broad, started broadcasting there, went to Butler, wow. spent six years doing radio when Kristen Airy was still the play-by-play voice of Butler back in the day. and then, Who was the head coach at, well, at that time in, in Yeah, basketball? so I started Barry's – my freshman wow. year was Barry's last, last year. And You're then older my, than I thought, man. Okay. Yeah, my sophomore year was the one sad year. So okay. now that's back, which yep. is funny because there were a couple of bus rides there, you know, to a few games when it was, you know, Brad was the unpaid assistant, you know, for that wow. very short window in the summer. And then, yeah, I mean, Brad Stevens was the, you know, the third assistant, uh, well, he's Dobo for a year. And then the third assistant while I was starting out doing um, the radio stuff with Denary. So wow. my senior class was the Joel Cornette, Brandon Miller. Upset class. IU at Conseco yeah. Fieldhouse class. Thank and you. And we made the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a... You know, help was on the way. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That press conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was that was an insult that to me. Um, um, yeah, so we got out, of, got out of Butler and then just really thankful that there have been some great people in this town um, that have done some amazing work in the in sort of the streaming world of things. And I've broadcast 14 different sports for the wow. NCAA over the last 15, 20 years. And, awesome. But golf was always a part of my life. I grew up playing it. And actually, even worked in it when I got out of college to sort of pay for my broadcasting habit, as I like to say. And um, well, how did yeah. you do that? Did, did um, you uh, make a few? Yeah, did you get pro. on a few heaters of your own there? Yeah, no, I was an assistant pro yeah. here in town, and then oh. would do basketball in the winter, and then finally was able to take this thing full time um, 10, 15 years ago when the PGA Tour kind of came calling after and, a bunch of amateur golf. You wrote a book even. So, I mean, he, I he's, he's elite, Dane. He, I mean, he's, he does not belong on this show. No, no. not on the he's, waste management. He's too accomplished. Not, not, not on the, on the waste, waste management, management midday show, yes. <laughs> he's I've way too accomplished. A couple of times. I came in and filled in a few times for the noon show back in the yeah. day. So, yeah. I, I, my roots run deep. It was after my sophomore year of college that I was the so then WIBC intern. So mm. Vince, I think you had yeah. mornings, and yeah. then I was like Kevin Lee's um, producer in the afternoon. And I'll still never forget, and I have to bleep myself out, so Jimmy get the dump button ready in case I don't bleep myself out effectively. But I'll never forget doing my first Indiana – what was the network, Vince? Like the Indiana Sports Network or whatever we had that we would network do. Network Indiana. Yep. Network Indiana, yep. yeah. And I did an afternoon sports update. They let the intern do that a couple of times. And the first time I recorded one, I got done, and um, Joe Stasniak was sitting in the cubicle, and he goes, that wasn't too bad, Effer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was was like, well, I think I've made it. Joe Stasniak is good with with it, so I'm good with it. Effer, Effer. Jimmy, can you translate? (laughs) Hey, you, uh, speaking of of Effers, you did the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach Mm. last week. Who was a bad golf, who was a bad celebrity golfer? Uh, so my son was excited because I got to interview Macklemore, which was sort of oh, a geez. weird, surreal moment that, you know, 12 years ago, his stuff drops and I'm 30 yeah. and hadn't had my son yet. And I was like, this is so cool. Now I used he's to dance to this to guy. Music. Oh yeah. yeah and my son's getting into it, but that's not a very good golf swing. That was, um, not a lot of power, not a lot of potential there, but man, he loves golf. Has a whole golf clothing line. Wow. Um, never yeah, seen it. You have any gear? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, 
I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. I do not have any bogey boys stuff. Bogey I don't boys. really think it fits my style at this stage of my life. I'd like to think I'm cool enough to pull it off, but I don't really think that's possible. So if if Macklem, so use Macklemore as an example, not a good golfer, but he's there playing at the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach and the Pro, how often do they do they grow frustrated with the, I mean, because they're out there trying to make a living right. and now they got this guy that's, you know, maybe they've heard of him, maybe they haven't and he's hacking and I mean, how does that play? Yeah, it has to be the right pairing. I think if you're signing up for that tournament, and I think it is the reason why, in a lot of respects, that tournament struggles a little bit to get elite golfers there because they're like because they just don't want to deal with it. Um, and that's kind of it's weird now, right? The golfers have become more celebrity than 30, 40 years ago when the celebrities were really the driving right, force right. of why people would be interested in watching the sport. But I think again, like we were talking about, who likes the energy at 16 or who doesn't? To each their own. And in that pro-am, there's three courses going. There's 156 players, which means there's 156 AMs also. Wow. And the majority of them aren't celebrities. A lot of them are CEOs who are, are able to pay the twenty five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to play in the tournament. And a lot of the journeymen or the guys on tour, they'll form relationships, and then that becomes beneficial to them down the line. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, they've got a logo on their sleeve. They're getting sponsored here. Maybe they're doing – a couple of, you know, sponsor interaction type of things with for corporate events. And so for a lot of young guys or guys that are anywhere in their career, if you get the right pairing, you know, you never know you're with a fortune 500 CEO who then all of a sudden can help kind of bankroll some of the parts of your career. So if you play it the right way, it's just one week. And, you know, most of the players I talk to, you get done and they look around like, I mean, if I can't sit here and pinch myself and look out at the ocean and I'm playing Pebble Beach and not realize that this is a pretty cool gig, then I've lost all perspective. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good week. It's a unique week, just like this week is unique. And, it, and that tournament has its own sort of shtick. Hmm. And how about this week? They're playing uh, in the same town that the Super Bowl. I mean, how crazy is that atmosphere? Is that more of a hassle for these guys or are many of them? I mean, obviously, the tournament's going on, and the Super Bowl's going. Maybe they can bounce from KD's the end. KD's in town, too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they can bounce from the end of the golf tournament over to the yeah. stadium for the game. I mean, is this a good thing for the guys on tour, or is it great. a pain in the butt? No, it's an absolute great thing. To have additional media yeah. eyes in town on that sport. Justin Thomas, I think, went to media day on Tuesday, was acting as like a PGA Tour, quote-unquote, correspondent and just started talking with people and sort of did the rounds as kind of an ambassador, but it also helps with his personal brand. Again, like if you are solely focused on competing, I can understand how you can make it a distraction. But if you really see the bigger picture and everything and your team is smart, you can leverage this week to do a number of great things. And it's one week. It's one week in a 40-plus week PGA Tour season. There's plenty of just standalone regular golf tournaments to come the rest of the year. If you don't embrace it, then what are we really doing here? You know, I, I don't have, I just don't have patience a lot of times for the guys who are like, oh, I'm distracted. I was like, well, you know what? Like, don't come. Like, <laughs> don't play. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Like, this is a big time first world problems for guys that can't figure out a way to turn this week into a special experience. 
You said Rom and Cor and uh, Rory were great to visit with. Who's somebody that's you got to do an interview with, and you're going, oh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, most of them went to live, so thankfully, <laughs> I feel like he's, got... he's had that answer prepared. That's a I, that's a good it, response. You know, it's funny. We were talking about it last week. I mean, again. I don't want to turn this into a live versus the PGA Tour. Obviously, Go ahead. Go ahead. Buttered by the PGA Tour. But it's Rory has said it, I think, better than I have a lot of it. It's, there's more to life than just money. And a lot of those guys took a massive paycheck. But And some of them did it for the right reasons. Like, again, this isn't a, a blanket criticism of everybody that decided to go there. And there's a number of different things that I can poke holes through about that I think are flawed in the system. And we'll see how it ends up going long term. But I think a lot of the guys that went were the ones that had, in my opinion, unnecessary chips on their shoulders, that didn't feel like they were getting enough individualized attention, that the PGA Tour had too many players on it in the first place, and they needed a, a larger slice of the pie and didn't really understand you know, the sort of the trickle-down economics of it all and how it works in professional golf. And they may be right. They may be entitled to that. But I think we can aspire to be better as people and as 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 professional athletes. And so I think a lot of those folks that felt like they were bigger than the sport or better than the sport um, took the paycheck. And I think that kind of shows who their what their true colors were. And again, I don't have any fault individually with a lot of those decisions, but they were also the ones that were difficult to interview in the first place, because again, they kind of felt like they were above it and better than it and were sort of hypercritical. So no, my life has gotten way easier in terms of, difficult interviews since a number of characters have left for live it, well if it's not the wm golf tournament what is what is one of your favorite tournament tournaments to cover if it's not the if it's not 16 or you, you know if it's not maybe it is augusta or maybe it's Ryder cup I don't, I don't know but what are some of your favorite tournaments to cover that maybe the regular viewer wouldn't understand yeah, I mean, I'll take the majors off the table. I mean, all the majors are unique and yeah. and, and, and important in their own sort of way. Um, I'll keep it Midwestern. Memorial in over in Columbus in okay. Dublin is just sensational. I mean, Muirfield Village is as perfect of a piece of golf property as there is. Jack's always tinkering with it to make it better. It's big. It's grand. It, I don't think TV does it justice. Kind of like Augusta. Until you get there, you're, you. I mean, it's a golf course that, I don't feel like I belong on not to be working there. Like how would I even play it? Like where the pros play it. We play a lot of tournaments on the PGA tour where it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I could go out here and play. And then you go to that one and you look at the back tees and you're going, what? I mean, oh, man. what universe is this from? It's so green. It's so perfect. <laughs> it's great crowds, passionate golf crowds, kind of got an old school vibe to it. Um, it's just a really fun tournament. And I think if anybody here in Indiana is a huge golf fan, has never been over there to do it. Like, find a way to just get yourself a day pass or even just a practice round pass and go over there and see that golf course. Mm-hmm. And it's always a great field. So that's always a special one to be able to hop in the car and have it be as close to a home game as possible um, uh, on the PGA Tour. Like, Vince, I mean, you had you had the Brickyards. So you actually, actually yeah. do home games. Like, I don't get a home game on the PGA Tour, which um, since Crooked Stick's out of the rotation for BMW now. So it's probably as close to a home game as I get. And – well, do you do you get to play any of these Sunday tees? Do you get to play any of these uh, golf golf courses when they're when they're you know before or after they've been prepared for one of these tour yeah. events? I would say about two thirds of them are available to us on Mondays. The question is, 
you know, I've got a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old and a wife who works way harder and better than I do in life. Mm-hmm. So I'm typically out of there as quickly as possible to get mm-hmm. home and be the best father and husband that I can be. Um, but there are certain ones that, you know, I've certainly taken advantage of. And unfortunately, we had a Monday finish this past week at Pebble. So I didn't get uh-huh. to cross Pebble off of my mm. bucket list on Monday. But I did scurry up the road and play Pasa Tiempo, which mm-hmm. is an amazing course. Mm-hmm. Um, in Santa Cruz and was able to play that on Monday, which was another another one I wanted to do. The back nine of that golf course was absolutely insane. So, um, yeah, there's some some perks out there. The Hawaii trip at the beginning of the year is probably the one that makes the, the most sense. You get stuck in Hawaii for 16 days calling golf with a few days off. And you get to bring your family. You know, yeah, well, I mean. That a baby. You yeah. better. Yeah, you better. I mean. It, it happens. So yeah, always, it happens. I always said that the golf tour would, was a lot better than the racing tour because, uh, you know, nobody wants to go to Darlington, South Carolina very often. But Hawaii or Pebble Beach, yeah, it's, it's all good. Better clientele, though, yeah, right? You got that. Yeah, well. San Diego. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, yeah, especially for an Indiana guy. You know, yeah. the first three months of the year is pretty good. So, you know, Riviera next week, I'm hosting our coverage. And then. The Florida swing, I'll be, you know, Honda players, like all of those. It's it's kind of nice to get away from the snow and, and go see green grass. We don't have any snow. Good up stuff. There. Yeah. Um, Will Haskett from PGA Tour Radio. We'll promote the book. Uh, hit the book before you we let you go here. Yeah, thanks. It's a science of golf. Um, I was approached actually by a publisher, uh, Will Carroll, who's based here in town, wrote both the science of baseball and then co-wrote the science of football. And the same uh, the same publishing company approached me because of my golf background, and I'm into the I'm into the analytics. I mean, it's a sport that has as much data as anything else, and so it was a pretty easy, in some fashion, to be able to write. But it's pretty much a 100 level um, view of all of the various scientific advancements of the game, especially in this sort of Tiger Woods era. So these guys now, their commitment to fitness, their commitment to psychology, the equipment strategy how the body moves it's absolutely insane what these guys are doing to try and be the best in the world so i sort of tell how golf works through the perspective of how the best players in the world try and maximize all of their talents and abilities so it's available on amazon barnes and noble anywhere online where books are sold the science of golf but before we go what is a, a golfer like the elite golfer so give us a rom or a rory what does his quote-unquote team consist of yeah, so he would have, I mean, obviously as an agent, uh, a manager, caddy is obviously a big component of it, a swing coach, so someone who's actually working with this particular swing. He'll have a physio, so someone who's his actual workout person who's putting him through workouts on a daily basis. And if he's not there, then giving him routines to do in the, in the um, PGA Tour physio trailers when they're on the road. Um, likely, he's probably got a sports psychologist on retainer, um, at his level, probably traveling with a chef or at least getting a chef when he's in town from a nutritional standpoint. Um, Maybe you know, a, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, now the PGA Tour has those. Okay. So there's always the physio person at every single tour event to do massages in the locker room so you can get those, um, get stretched out beforehand. I mean, those guys are there two and a half hours before their tea time, you know, about 45 minutes of stretching, maybe a workout beforehand, and then an hour of actual warm-up and practice. Uh, yeah, and then all the equipment guys. So whoever their equipment deals are with, yeah. you know, you go to a PGA Tour event, and it's semi-truck after semi-truck after semi-truck at the beginning of the week, and it's all of the manufacturers, and there are guys in there with every single shaft and head combination that you could have 
And so they're getting feedback from those guys on the range with all their launch monitors and everything that they have to see what's going on. And they can tinker clubs on the spot and build things to specificity uh, the week of. So, I mean, that's another component of it is how much these guys are using the data from the launch monitors with their swing coach to then walk into these trailers and dial in. You know, the, the wedges might be different. If the grass is cut a little bit tighter this week, they'll change the bounce Jeez. on their wedges, or they'll mm-hmm. maybe take a 58-degree wedge out and put a 56-degree wedge in because they they feel like they're going to need those shots a little bit more. So, um, oh, a stats analyst. they got somebody that's, you know, advanced looking at the golf course and breaking down their stats every week to tell them where they need to improve and how they should, where they should hit tee shots and where they should lay up and where they should go for it. So, I mean, I could go on and on. Wow. But the top guys probably have – Eight, ten, maybe even a dozen people on the payroll now. Wow. Jeez. That's incredible. Hmm. Good yeah. insight, Will. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well done. Thanks, I Will. I appreciate it. That was a good chat. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Thank you. All right, Enjoy buddy. Today. Yeah, I, I did too. That was good.